0: You are listening to episode 41 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a comprehensive talk on sleep for distance runners. Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I am your host, Nicholas. This episode features a comprehensive guide to sleep for distance runners. I'm here to give insight onto one of the biggest performance enhancers that runners can use. I will be delving into the importance of sleep for distance runners, the connection between sleep and running performance, sleep deprivation and its effect on distance runners, and then finally some strategies for enhancing quality sleep for three times a day including morning, midday and then evening and how to use strategies for each of those times a day so that you can increase the quantity and quality of your resting hours all of that and so much more now you might be asking why delve into the realm of sleep well runners the purpose of this episode is to empower you with insights regarding the pivotal role of sleep in optimizing your running performance therefore ensuring that you are equipped to harness the transformative power of quality sleep for your running journey if you are new to the sunday shakeout Let me give you a quick rundown. This show is your go-to source for in-depth training analysis, valuable training tips, unbiased and reliable physiology and science, and so much more. So whether you're a beginner taking your first strides or an experienced runner aiming for new heights, the Sunday ShakeOut provides you with the information you need to run faster, stay injury-free, and most importantly, stay happy on your running journey. So, let's slice up those shoes, hit the road, and dive into the world of sleep, a topic that can mean the difference between rested strides or sleepy legs. So, without further ado, please enjoy my guide to sleep for distance runners. Sleep is amazing. I can't- I can't understate that, really, because people- I find that most runners sleep is the last thing on their mind like they're thinking i just need to get the training today and everything will take care of itself no that's not necessarily true you need to prioritize sleep nutrition all the recovery stuff but i think sleep is the most important of all the recovery stuff that you could do but people just don't have much discipline i find to get to sleep on time or they don't have a good routine established so it's hard to get to sleep, but sleep can have a really, really big impact on how well you perform and overall how good you are as a runner because sleep is a critical physiological process that allows the body and the mind to rest and recover. Sleep is essential for cognitive function, memory consolidation, and emotional well-being. Overall, sleep is a foundational pillar for maintaining optimal mental health, physical health, and overall athletic performance. I'm not going to go too deep into the stages of sleep, but just know that stages 3 and 4 of the sleep cycle are probably the most important stages of sleep. That is where the most restorative processes take place. That's deep sleep, and that is where the most tissue growth and repair happens. So, that's just kind of a fun fact i'm not gonna really talk about that too much today but just know that deep sleep is where the mainly the magic happens let's talk about the connection between sleep and running performance the connection between sleep and your performance out on the road or the trail or wherever you race or perform or test yourself that connection is profound adequate sleep plays a crucial role in various aspects of athletic performance recovery and overall well-being the first being physical recovery and repair During sleep, the body goes through many different restorative processes, like the release of growth hormone and the repair of tissues. Growth hormone is primarily released during the deep sleep stages, which, like we talked about, are the most important stages of sleep. This growth hormone greatly supports muscle growth and repair, therefore aiding in recovery from training-induced micro damage. Because the muscles are repaired and made stronger due to this growth hormone, the muscles have a higher capacity to handle the stress of training in the future. The body becomes more resilient. So therefore, sleep helps the body adapt to training, which is crucial to optimize the super compensation which like we talked about earlier that's where the magic happens that's where you adapt and that's where you get better and that's where you find an increase in running performance so sleep pays, plays a major role in your ability to adapt and your ability to recover and repair it also plays a role in your psychology sleep definitely has a significant impact on your psychology Runners who are well rested are more likely to approach training and races with a positive mindset, therefore they are also less likely to get burned out, and they are more likely to perform how they want to perform. Sleep also positively impacts your mind's ability to focus during training sessions and races. It gives you that ability to push that little bit harder on races because you're focused, you're in the zone. You're not super sleepy. You're not like trudging through your race. You're actually focused and you're ready to perform. Likewise, sleep also brings you focus in areas where you want to hit the correct intensity like in certain workouts because remember not every workout needs to be i'm going to push as hard as possible if you're doing something like threshold it's all about hitting the correct intensity and if you don't have that psychological focus and that psychological discipline well it becomes a lot harder to hit that intensity sleep can make all the difference between you hitting that correct intensity and you having that discipline and you may be going a little too hard in that threshold or maybe you don't PR on that race and so sleep can have a Profound impact on your psychology. Finally, sleep can definitely impact your immune system. Sleep, you know, obviously it plays a huge role in your immune system's function. Runners who consistently get enough sleep have a much easier time fending off infections and illnesses, which obviously will help you stay consistent in training. If you're sick, well, then, well, training becomes a challenge. You know, if you're sick and you have a sore throat, a runny nose, then getting out the door, getting the run done, that becomes a challenging thing. Not just, you know, psychologically, but also physiologically. You feel like you're like a, a big sludge ball today if you're, if you're all sick and everything. If you have all this post-nasal drip and you have all this sinus infection, it can be really, really hard. We've seen this even in like the Olympics today. Or not, sorry, not in the Olympics. Uh, the World Championships for Track and Field. Ingebrigtsen, he claims he has a a sickness, a sore throat, and he lost the 1500 because of his so-called sickness. Like it, so sick has a major uh, sickness has a major impact on your performance. And if sleep can help fend off illnesses and fend off sicknesses, then I think that your performances are going to be saved, and you're going to be much more likely to race better, but also be more consistent in your training, which is really, really key. So we talked about the connection between sleep and running performance, and how Good sleep can affect positively affect your, you know, your performance, your psychology, your recovery and your immune system. But what about if you don't get good sleep? What, if, what about if you're deprived of good sleep? Believe it or not, inadequate or poor quality sleep can lead to reduced athletic performance and impaired cognitive function. Athletes may experience decreased coordination, decision-making abilities and even poor reaction time after a bad night of sleep. Chronic sleep deprivation can in- contribute to increased risk of injuries and longer recovery time. Sleep deprivation also leaves you more likely to get sick, and overall, you just start to feel burned out, and you no longer enjoy the process of training. So, sleep can really ha- bad sleep or not enough sleep can really have a bad impact on your training and your running overall. So, that being said, let's look at some strategies for enhancing quality sleep. So we've talked all about how sleep could really help your running, but also the price you might pay if you don't get enough sleep or if the quality of that sleep is poor. That all sounds great, but how should we go about optimizing our sleep? Because a lot of the times, I crawl into my bed and I'm just laying there wide awake, unable to fall asleep. And then the next day when the school day is done i feel like i could be like a bear and hibernate so it's just this back and forth cycle one day i feel like i could not sleep if i somebody put a gun to my head and the next day i feel like i could go sleep like the month away and it's just this constant cycle sometimes i feel like i'm in that cycle and it can be hard to break out of that cycle but you really have to develop a routine develop some strategies and no it's not just turning off the screens one hour before bed because while that is important, we also need to prioritize what we are doing during the day so that we are better prepared once the sun sets. Sometimes it is what we do the hours before we fall asleep that really, really matters. Let's talk about earlier in the day. That's the first stage. We got three periods during the day that we really need to be thinking about. We got early in the day, so that's really the morning, we got the afternoon, and we got the evening. Let's talk about early in the day. The first thing that we should be prioritizing in the morning is sunlight viewing. Morning sunlight exposure is crucial for optimizing sleep at night, wakefulness through the day, and overall well-being. It is recommended to get outside and view natural light within the first hour of waking up, preferably though within the first five minutes, but I recognize that that is pretty impractical for a lot of people. So, you know, if you just try to get out with- outside within the first hour, try to get some sunlight, but... You know, I know even getting sunlight might not be practical within the first hour because a lot of people might wake up at like 4am. In that case, if you wake up in the complete dark, you need to really blast your artificial lights in your home uh, when you wake up. And then, once the sun is out, it is crucial to get outside and view natural light, as artificial lights are generally not bright enough to trigger necessary mechanisms for wakefulness in the morning. Artificial lights in the evening, conversely, can also disrupt sleep, so they should be avoided close to bedtime. Don't blast your super bright fluorescent light 10 minutes before bed, but if you want to have a reading light on, that's fine, but we're talking about the morning right now. In the morning, you really need to be prioritizing morning sunlight viewing. On a cloudy or overcast day, it becomes even more important to get outside and obtain morning sunlight exposure because that sunlight that you might be exposed to when it's overcast and cloudy, that sunlight might be less intense. In those cases, you may need to increase the duration of the sunlight exposure to compensate for the reduced brightness. Morning sunlight viewing should be a daily practice. Let's keep that in mind. I'm not telling you to do this once a week. I'm telling you to do this almost every day. And I'm not going to say you need to get it within five minutes of waking up. Maybe you should just aim for an hour, but you should ideally do this 80% of the days. And if you miss a day, try to compensate by doubling the duration of sunlight exposure the next day to maintain the beneficial effects on wakefulness and sleep. Sunlight exposure for me personally has become really easy because I'm just starting at my new school as a freshman in high school. And at my new school, we have this plaza outside outside and it's really really nice there's there's three buildings to my school one of them's kind of small and we got two medium-ish buildings one terrace is down the hill but it's really nice because in the morning 10 to 15 minutes before the the first bell rings the first class starts i can you know you're supposed to wait outside on the plaza and if you're waiting outside you get all this sunlight so i really have an advantage because i just get to stand out there for 10 to 15 minutes talk to my friends and just get in some sunlight, and that's really, really nice. But overall, no matter your situation, morning sunlight is crucial for regulating the sleep-wake cycle. We're not going to go too deep into the science on why that is, but sunlight really plays a role in regulating your circadian rhythm, mood, and just your overall well-being. So look to get some sunlight in in the morning. Now, the second thing that we should be doing early in the day is we should be watching the timing of our food intake. Eating early in the day can support a biological clock mechanism that makes you more alert early in the morning. The body tends to increase the metabolism and temperature in response to early food intake, which therefore promotes wakefulness. Some runners choose to fast in early morning hours, which is also acceptable as long as they eat later in the day. The one runner that comes to mind, who I know fasts most mornings, is Steven Skulling. He talks about how on his easy days, the only thing that he will consume when he wakes up is coffee with just, I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong Steven, but I think it's just a little bit of butter that you put in your coffee. Anyway, he consumes just some coffee with a little bit of butter, and we'll talk about caffeine in just a minute, but he does this to teach his body how to burn fat as fuel. He doesn't consume carbohydrates, he just wants his body to burn fat as fuel, which and i think that is crucial for him because he runs marathons and if you can teach your body how to run how to burn fat as fuel then well your body will not run out of glycogen as fast and you will can delay that feeling of hitting the wall so but if you're not doing a marathon or a super long event, then I would just recommend eating something early in the morning, and that is really gonna help your metabolism getting going, your temperature is gonna your body temperature is gonna increase, and that is gonna promote a feeling of wakefulness during the day. So we I kinda sneak peeked it here, but we're gonna talk about caffeine now. Caffeine acts as an adenosine antagonist. So essentially it prevents the action of adenosine, which is a molecule associated with sleepiness. The timing and the amount of caffeine consumption that's pretty essential for regulating the wakefulness and the sleep cycle consuming caffeine early in the day can greatly promote wakefulness early which is crucial if you want to be sleepy close to bedtime so caffeine is key and look to consume it you know about pretty early in the day i'd say the best windows about right when you wake up to about two hours into the day but you know just try to consume some caffeine early in the day and that'll really promote wakefulness during the day and that'll really get the sleep cycle going so that you feel sleepy when it's time to go to sleep. We'll talk about limiting caffeine later in the day, but let's just keep it that for now. I also want to talk about exercise, but we also must recognize that exercise is a natu- nature's sleep as a natural sleep aid. It is a critical component to a good night of sleep. You're probably a runner if you're listening to this podcast, so that's even more incentive to do a run most days of the week. If you run regularly, especially earlier in the day, you can expect to fall asleep faster, improve the overall quality of your sleep, and sleep more overall. Be aware that running within two to three hours of going to sleep might actually affect your ability to fall asleep. That's because your central nervous system or your CNS might still be sort of awake, if, and you'll just feel all amped up like you'll be in bed and you'll, your body will be like all amped up you'll have like just energy coursing through your body and you won't be tired that's more the case if you're doing like an interval session or a tempo run so maybe it, that would just be for for interval sessions or like harder runs but i'd still say you probably should limit the amount of running that you do um within two to three hours of going to bed and if you do do doubles or you do have to run later in the day try to do that run three plus hours before you go to bed but I do understand people have different situations, especially if you travel for a living, you might have to go for your run when it's like like pitch night o'clock or whatever, pitch black, just like in the dark. If that's the case, maybe you should just get on a treadmill and just get your run done. I mean, getting your run done is better than not getting your run done because you can't like you're worried about your sleep um don't get me wrong sleep is super important but just get your run done it's not a huge deal but just try to if you're going to run in the afternoon or the evening try to get your run done two to three hours like before you go to sleep more than two to three hours um and that's going to be really crucial but running early in the day can really help you fall asleep later in the day and so always keep that in mind let's talk about the second big period here so we talked a lot about early in the day and what you should be doing early in the day let's talk about the afternoon Naps are the first thing that I came, comes to mind for me. Napping for a short duration in the afternoon, like 90 minutes or less, can provide a boost in energy and focus without actually affecting nighttime sleep. So if you ever experience a period of drowsiness in the afternoon, like that 2pm slump or whatever people, people call it, feel free to take a nap if you can. But obviously taking a nap isn't practical for most people. You can't always just tell your boss, "Hey, I got to do some marathon pace work tomorrow. I'm taking a nap right now. Sorry." No, you can't always you can't always tell your boss that. So, obviously napping is not always practical. And obviously, even if you have the option to take naps, you don't have to, you know? Like it's not like something that's going to break make or break your sleep. Obviously, getting in more sleep can be helpful. But if you can go the entire day without being tired except at bedtime then more power to you another thing you might want to do instead of napping is engaging in deep relax relaxation techniques whether that's non-relaxation um like you know nsdr techniques or yoga nidra and we'll talk about that later that can kind of substitute as like a relaxation technique that can kind of help you de-stress and maybe get some rest in without actually napping so you might want to try that on you could probably go to youtube And you could probably search in the search bar, NSDR, um or you know yoga nidra and there will be some stuff that comes up yoga nidra for sleep and that can really help you fall asleep but also stay asleep or just like get some you know relaxation in now in the afternoon besides naps we should also be limiting our caffeine out especially after 1 to 4 p.m depending on your tolerance and sensitivity because taking caffeine in late in the day can interfere with the body's natural sleep and wake cycle so try to limit your caffeine but also let's talk about exercise. Like I talked about earlier, and in the case of a runner, running in the afternoon is acceptable, but an intense interval session may raise the body's temperature and delay the circadian clock, leading to a later sleep onset. So maybe if you're doing an intense interval session, you might not want to do that too close to bed. If you're doing an easy run, it might not be as big of a deal, but just try to look out for, you know, like you might, if you do a hard session, you might have a harder time falling asleep. So maybe in the afternoon um just be looking after that i know i have to run after school every day and it doesn't at all impact my sleep just be looking after that now let's talk about the evening now so the first thing that i'm going to think of is melatonin and bright light exposure i'm not really talking about like the the pill here that you take we'll be talking about supplements later but it's important to note that bright artificial lights in the late evening and nighttime can suppress melatonin production which is the hormone responsible for inducing sleepiness sunlight exposure early in the day activates uh neurons in the lower part of the eye which helps maintain a healthy sleep wake cycle conversely bright artificial lights in the evening mimic the sunlight's effect making it harder to fall asleep so at night use low set lights overhead lights are especially disruptive as they mimic sunlight in the evening so that interferes with sleep so if you like to read in the evening you might want to look at something like getting like a reading light i have one on my nightstand that i use to read before bed and that can be really really beneficial in the evening we'd also want to be focusing on temperature regulation taking a hot bath sauna or hot tub in the evening and then cooling off before bedtime leads to compensatory drop in core body temperature, therefore facilitating sleep. And that is really beneficial because our bodies need to cool off before we fall asleep. Sleeping in a cold cold or cool environment, while using blankets as needed, is recommended for optimal quality sleep. I think people say that like 65 degrees is the optimal room temperature to fall asleep. I don't know if that's right, but maybe try to get to your room to at least below 70 degrees. Get AC if you live somewhere hot, but overall temperature regulation, trying to cool your uh, room temperature, try to cool your core body temperature, that is really key for sleep um let's also talk about supplements here i'm not gonna go too in-depth because obviously i'm not a doctor i'm just a kid who does a lot of research um and has a podcast but i'm going to share some supplements that i uh read and listened to because i i listened to the huberman lab podcast hosted by andrew huberman you should probably go check that out but he shared some supplements for sleep he sh- shared magnesium th- sorry if i'm pronouncing these wrong magnesium threonate, uh and that can be really helpful. Apigenin and thionine and those three can really aid in improving sleep quality. Some also might benefit from adding other supplements to their sleep stack. For example, I've, I've heard of glycine or GABA when taken alongside the standard standard sleep stack and that can greatly enhance the sleep onset. And look, like I said, I'm not a doctor and but adding some sleep supplements may enhance your sleep, especially if you have like hard time falling asleep or if you have like insomnia Obviously, consult with a healthcare professional before considering sleep supplements or medications because individual responses may vary. What works for someone might not work for someone else, and so just keep that in mind. Melatonin supplements can also help with sleep onset, but excessive use should be avoided due to the potential effects on other hormone systems. Melatonin should not be relied upon relied upon as a long-term solution for sleep issues but you know you might look to use it every once in a while melatonin especially if you're like on the road and you're trying to fall asleep and you're like in a different time zone then maybe melatonin should be good but otherwise i wouldn't rely on melatonin too often because melatonin secretion from your own body i've heard can be kind of like like the that that can't be like the melatonin secretion from your own body gets weakened so you get you have a harder time releasing melatonin or something like that. I've heard of that. I'm not you could fact check me on that, but just don't rely on the melatonin. I also want to talk about digital tools. We talked a little bit earlier about how you can use deep relaxation techniques like non-sleep deep rest NSDR scripts or yoga nidra to help you nap or substitute for a nap. There are many zero-cost tools that you can find on YouTube and various apps. You might also want to try meditation or some other deep sleep to deep relaxation techniques these tools can be really beneficial for falling asleep and getting back to sleep because life can be stressful whether it's running work family school whatever you have going on and so high levels of stress can definitely negatively impact your sleep quality and your sleep sleep quantity so using some of these relaxation techniques can definitely help your mind de-stress and you can you know calm down and that is really going to help you out I also want to talk about electronics. Before bed, you're also going to want to avoid using electronic devices with bright screens before bedtime, as blue light exposure can suppress the melatonin production and negatively impact affect the circadian rhythm. If you must work on a computer or, a la- or a laptop at night, use a program that limits blue light or get some blue light glasses. But unless you have to, then you should put the screens away an hour before you go to bed. Instead, you might want to do some journaling. You know, maybe write down the stress, any stresses or concerns you might have so that you can declutter your brain. You might also want to read a fiction book. Maybe you do some yoga, some stretching, some stuff that's going to relax you before bed. But put away the phone, put away the tablet, put away the, put away the computer. Just try to relax and have some deep relaxation time. Have some reflection time and that is really going to help you go to bed. Um, You should also just develop a sleep routine in order for any of this stuff to work. I've presented to you with a whole bunch of tools. But in order for any of these to work, you need to develop a consistent bedtime routine that signals to the body that it is time to wind down and prepare for sleep. We want to be doing similar things day in and day out that are gonna benefit your sleep. Stay consistent with your sleep and wake up times, even on weekends, and that can greatly improve your sleep quality. Avoid oversleeping on the weekends to help maintain a stable sleep schedule. And overall, like help your sleep environment as well, Part of a good sleep routine is creating an optimal sleep environment. We talk a little bit about temperature regulation, so creating a space that is cool, dark, quiet, and comfortable. Maybe consider investing in a high-quality mattress and pillows that support proper body alignment and reduce discomfort during sleep. Maybe use blackout curtains, earplugs, an eye mask, or anything to block external sound or light. Maybe get a humidifier for the room to promote easy nasal breathing. Overall, optimizing sleep is essential for athletes to maximize their training gains, mental acuity, and overall health. Implementing a comprehensive approach to sleep hygiene, managing stress, and creating a conducive sleep environment can significantly enhance an athlete's ability to fall asleep, stay asleep, and also just sleep quality and running performance. Thank you for listening to episode 41 of the Sunday ShakeOut. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. I thought this episode was great. I thought, you know, I'm, I actually was pretty surprised because when I looked back on all of my episodes, I realized that I haven't done one on sleep, even though I'm like 40 episodes in. So this is episode 41. And I decided, well, sleep would be a good topic to talk about, so that's pretty cool. Uh, In the coming weeks, expect me to do a whole bunch of, like, um, I guess training talks, like training review. If you've ever uh, listened to Steven Scullion's podcast, uh, Road to the Olympics on Spotify, he does a whole bunch of training reviews. And and so expect me to do some of the similar stuff for me because I am also competitive Um, So I'm trying to get competitive in high school. So I'll be doing some like meet reviews, training reviews in the next few weeks, maybe not every week, but some weeks. I'll also be doing a world track and field championships. I'll be doing a review. I'll be doing like a a recap of the championships to just kind of share how they were. I'll be recapping some key events, mainly distance events, but just be on the lookout for that in the future. If you enjoyed this episode of The Sunday Shakeout, please consider following to or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me at Shakeout at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you all of my listeners for so much, all of that support. And, you know, I I couldn't do this all without you. I know I say this every time and I might sound kind of like old by now, but I'm being serious. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do this without all of y'all's support. We're almost to 1,800 plays on this podcast, 1,800. We gained like five followers this last week on Spotify, and that might not sound like a lot, but for me, that is a big jump. That's a big number. So thank you all so much for the support. Uh, I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. Have a great weekend, y'all. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and peace out. This is the Sunday ShakeOut.